0: Hi, everyone. It's your host, Joe Wilbur here. I am so excited for you to listen to the amazing interview I had with Edwin Miller. He basically walks us through just an incredible life journey from his humble beginnings as a poor child in a small Georgia town to the successful businessman and devout follower of Christ that he is today. Now, you will hear him become emotional and even tear up at points as he recounts some very painful and some very touching moments in his story, and particularly the impact that one anonymous gift had in the trajectory of his life. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. Welcome to Mind and Heart, a podcast by Trinity Christian School in Fairfax, Virginia. In this space, we explore our calling to raise up the next generation to be salt and light in the world. Hello, and welcome to Mind & Heart, a podcast by Trinity Christian School. I'm your host, Joe Wilbur, and today I'm sitting down with Gemspring Capital Operating Executive Edwin Miller. Edwin is a growth, turnaround, and restructuring C-level technology executive, the author of two books, and a five-time CEO with a reputation for tactfully leading and transforming businesses into profitable organizations. He's also a former Trinity parent, and the husband of our own assistant head of school, Kim Miller. Edwin, thank you so much for being with us today. If you want to take the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about yourself, if there's anything I left out there.
1: Well, I'm a father of three and I am married to Kimberly Miller. That's what I call her. Love playing the guitar and um, love being with my family.
0: Awesome. You are obviously an incredibly uh, gifted and successful businessman with a beautiful family. And I think for some people, it might be easy to look at someone like you in your position and assume that perhaps you were handed things on a silver platter or that you were born into a position of privilege. But I understand you didn't necessarily come from a particularly wealthy or successful family background. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and your upbringing?
1: Yeah, uh, no silver spoon for sure. I um, was born in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, but quickly moved to Georgia with my my parents moved and um, grew up in the house that my father 's father grew up in, very small, much like a shanty. We, you could hear banjos playing um. Um, for the most part, uh, so very impoverished early on. but over the years, my father built a um, retail store small very small package store gas station so by the time I was in eighth or ninth grade, we were doing okay right not not great, but but I pumped gas probably in the summertime. 80 85 hours a week and during the, the school year i would miss 32 days of school year because at 33 you got held back yeah. and so i grew up working um but the good news about that is i knew more about business by my freshman year of college than most people could ever imagine so it was really a blessing but we grew up pretty hard pretty tough life
0: And I understand you ended up, through a certain set of circumstances, going to a Christian school. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So uh, let's see. I want to say it was my seventh grade year. We asphalted the uh, parking lot, and my dad let me put in a basketball hoop. Wouldn't let me play any little league sports. Never get to play any baseball, any football, anything like that, because we were working. But he let me put a basketball hoop, and I play basketball between gas pumping. So I'd shoot basketball for 14, 15 hours a day. In the summer times, I can't remember how I got recruited to Athens Christian, but I ended up going to Athens Christian School, and they had a really great athletics program. The um, state champs in football, baseball, basketball, etc., always in the top two or three in in the state of Georgia. Barely made the team my tenth grade year, but started as a as a junior and a senior.
0: And can you tell us a little bit more about your experience there at the Christian School?
1: I wasn't saved when I went there my my uh, sophomore year. It was interesting because the retail store was actually a package store, a beer and liquor store with a gas station. And so we made a lot of money because we sold on Sundays and that was a cash business. And so the thought of me being a Christian <laughs> <laughs> and going back and working at the package store was kind of, it, it bothered my father quite a bit. Mm. But I got into a fight. I've gotten into a lot of fights. It was usually attacking the bullies is mm-hmm. kind of how my heart was. The seniors on the team didn't take kindly to a sophomore coming in and competing for a job Mm. Um, and i got into two fights unfortunately in like the first i want to say the first month of practice with seniors and i lost handsomely by the way (laughs) it's a good good um, bottom kicking Um, but i ended up in uh, miss cummings office which was the headmaster's wife A couple of times. (laughs) Uh, The second time I was in her office, I came to the Lord, which was an amazing... (laughs) I came down to the Lord, which was an amazing experience. Um, I remember getting on the bus to ride home that afternoon and telling the bus driver. And I remember going home that afternoon and telling my parents. (laughs) That experience was amazing.
0: Wow. Yeah. That is not the experience you'd expect when being called into the principal's office. Uh, So you leave that day really a changed person. Now you're walking with the Lord. What happens from there?
1: By my junior year, I was starting point guard, which was an awesome time. And again, I mentioned we won states, which was really fun. My senior year, though, my parents decided they didn't want to pay for me to go to the school. It wasn't that terribly expensive, but it was private tuition and again, we, it wasn't like we had a ton of money. So um, I had to tell my coach so I wouldn't be able to come back. And he called me back, I want to say the next day, and had an anonymous donor who's going to pay for me. He called me back next day and had an anonymous donor who was going to pay for my school. So I got to go finish my senior year there. And that summer, right before that all happened, I went to Liberty's basketball camp and was MVP of that camp and All-Star. And there was uh, USA Scouts there for the USA private school basketball team. And I got invited to play on that, and again, somebody donated the money for me to go for me to go play mm-hmm. overseas. So I spent the summer, um, seven weeks of the summer, going into my senior season playing USA basketball in Argentina and Brazil. Great experience came back, had a great senior year didn 't win states, which was a bummer, but went to states and um, got recruited to go play college basketball and so I did um, one year at Covenant College um, on a scholarship, transferred and played a year at Georgia, wanted to play Division one, and Unfortunately, when I went back to Georgia, I was having to pump gas at night, so I was getting up at six in the morning, going to practice going to classes, going to lunch, going to practice or lifts, and driving back and helping my parents close the store. It was important because probably the most robbed retail outlet is a liquor and beer store and gas station because you get cash on hand. So to leave your mother and your father alone was not good. My brother and I were, were typically, one of us was there. You had to be. And one of the things that happened during that time frame, which has, has really helped me in business, is because you're on high alert all the time, with that kind of cash, you see everything. I could tell you if I saw a car three times in one day, how fast it was moving. Was it loaded down? Was there a lot of people in the car? I, I mean, I just knew. Um, and the the cool thing about that is in a business, you also have to have that kind of spidey instinct. you got to know quickly. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think it was a blessing. While very hard, such a blessing in my life. Decided uh, at Georgia, it was probably my... Spring. I told the coach I was going to transfer. I didn't know where I was going to transfer, but I couldn't go to college and live the life I was living with the store. And the day after I told the coach I was going to transfer, I broke my shooting hand, fourth metacarpal, in a pickup game with the football team in Stegman Hall. And so hand broken, can't shoot, signing season comes and goes, and I have nowhere to go. I have told George I'm transferring. So basketball is over. And I remember laying in the bed one night, just praying out loud, Lord, just get me out of here. Because it was, when I say hard, it was brutal. Mm. Um, So I would broken my hand, signing season had come and gone. And I remember laying in the bed, praying, Lord, just get me out of here. And that next day, I went to join the Marine Corps. And the uh, intake captain looked at me and said, why don't you go sleep on it and make sure you want to do this. I gave it a couple of days, and I remember being at the store. We had a payphone in the store. We didn't have a regular phone. And when I say store, think if you saw it, you'd speed up. Bars in the window, steel door, no back door, cinder block building, tough. The phone rang, and th- the crazy thing about this is this coach had called my home before getting the number to the store. And it was Coach Meyer from Liberty University. And he had called my high school coach saying, what happened Edwin Miller, where is he? Coach gave him, Coach Cummings, my high school coach was a great mentor to me, gave Coach Meyer my home number. He called my mother and my mother, by the grace of God, gave the phone number of the business. And so I picked the phone as Coach Meyer. And he said, Edwin, how you doing? It's Coach Meyer. And I remembered him, right? He had recruited me. I'd gone to Liberty on a recruiting event and decided not to go there. But the crazy thing about it is he invited me to a work a camp and now you're, instead of being in the camp, you're one of the college players that are helping run the camp, if that makes sense. and But at night, you scrimmaged. And what they did in this uh, scenario is they would bring in kids that they wanted to see play against teams. So most of the team was there and probably seven or eight other kids that wanted to transfer to play at Liberty or come play at Liberty. Not high school kids you had to be in college. Now, I hadn't been able to shoot the ball. I had tried out at probably three junior colleges, and my hand would swell up like a balloon every time I played or tried to lift. Mm. And so when I got there the first day, I told uh, Coach Brooks, Brooksie is what we called him, I said, hey, I broke my hand last spring. I've had uh, tendonitis in it pretty bad, so my first night probably would be my best night. And if it swells up, I've got some medication to take for it, but it's going to be hard to, to control the ball. And I was ambidextrous, but I shot from the outside, right-handed, and that was the broken hand. Well, I didn't have any tennis the entire week. Wow. And by Wednesday night, they offered me a full ride. Mm -hmm. So November thirteenth, 1990, I uh, got to meet my wonderful future bride, Kimberly. We were at a basketball game, and I was redshirted my first year. So I was sitting behind the bench. A lady named Holly Lightbody, who was a good friend, played soccer came in and Kimberly was with her and at Liberty there was probably only 6,000 maybe 7,000 kids on campus at the time so you pretty much would see everybody I'd never seen her so she sat down on the other side of Holly and I asked Holly like who is that we get to talking through Holly and then Kimberly gets up and goes up into the stands and I followed her <laughs> and I sat right in front of her she was with a linebacker unfortunately <laughs> leave it Edwin to pick, pick the right one Um, but I kept talking to her and I asked her out sitting there that evening and we went out and never stopped dating beginning of my junior year got eligible to play was playing incredibly well was leading the nation in scoring um, in terms of minutes played leading the nation in field goal percentage I hit my first nine threes in a row was 13 for 15 by the second half of the third game and broke my jaw
0: Oh my goodness.
1: I remember waking up in the in the hospital with the broken jaw, and it's a really bad injury to have a broken bone in your head. Actually, I remember them being on the back, taking me off the court, and the trainer trying to put my jaw back in socket behind the bench. I did come back and play that year. We went to the championship in the Big South. I want to say it was the eighth game of the season. I came right back. Maybe it was the 11th game. I may have missed five games. I dropped 20 pounds um, immediately because you can't eat. My, my mouth was wired shut. Did it deter me? Uh, came back, played with a, with a uh, wired mouth, wired jaw, which means you really can't breathe. He had oxygen on the sidelines for me. And my first game was against Virginia Tech at Tech. Unfortunately, was uh, guarding Purcell back and down the court, and Rod Carruth, the 7-2 center, blind-picked me and broke the bands of my jaw again. You would think... <laughs> Someone would stop at that point, but um, I didn't. And came back and played again by the end of the year, uh, which was really bad for my jaw because I kept taking contusions to it with it inflamed, which that's what really ended my career. I remember waking up in the bed after my jaw was broken and knowing I'd never play again. Wow. If I, I think if I'd have had engaged parents... My dad never wanted me to play athletics whatsoever, and he never saw me play a game in my life.
0: That must have been so hard, getting to that level uh, without the support of your family, putting in so much work, even after sustaining multiple injuries, and then to have to basically watch that dream die. I can't imagine. So Where did you go from there? Because at that point, you're going into your senior year, right?
1: Um, I couldn't play my senior year. That was mid-junior year. Couldn't play my senior year. And folks on academics, I did 4.0, 4.0s back to back with like 22 course credits, which got me above a 3.5, like a 3.5.8 to graduate with. Came out of uh, undergrad. I sent probably, what, 200 resumes out trying to get a job. I really had no interviews until my capstone professor, basically for strategy planning, he had graduated from West Point and had been a chaplain. And he introduced me based on my academics and my athletics to the ring knockers, they call them the table knockers in DC. And I interviewed SAIC, IBM, you pick it. And I'll never forget, everybody interviewed with said, you should go into sales. I'm like, I don't want to be in sales. And they're like, no, you really should, you should go into sales. I'm like, but I, I really don't want to be in sales. Now, growing up where I grew up, there was one car lot in the county I grew up in. And there it wasn't new cars. It was used cars. And a guy named Johnny Burt was a sales guy. And so every time somebody said sales, all I could think about is Johnny Burt. I didn't comprehend they were software sales executives. <laughs> and and there, by the way, there wasn't really much software then, it was hardware or whatever back in 93. But I couldn't imagine calling my parents and saying, I'm going into sales, and them saying, You're going to be Johnny Burt? <laughs> so, oh my goodness, that's so funny. I started SAIC. And Colonel Blackwell, it's right before Desert Storm, He's uh, he gets called away. I show up, and I'm sitting in a cube with no computer, no nothing. And if I had been back home doing nothing, my dad would have kicked a hole through me. <laughs> so I was worried every day. I remember calling Kimberly, like, I'm going to get fired. There's no- I don't know what to do. She'd say, calm down, honey. It's fine. You're going to be fine. I'm like, I'm telling you, there's nothing to do here. They're going to fire me. <laughs> So, I literally picked up the phone, I called uh, PSINet, and I said, Hey, hi, Mrs. Colangione, uh, this is Edwin Miller. Remember me? She says, of course. I'm like, is that sales job still open? I'm thinking I want to be in sales. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I went over and interviewed with the CEO of the business and the head of the director of sales. I remember sitting with Bill Schrader, and I looked at him, and he said, well, what do you really want to do? And I'm like, well, I see it's Performance Systems International he's like, yes, it is. I'm like, but you're not international. And he's like, not yet. I'm like, well, I speak German and French. I'd like to build that for you. That's what I said in the interview. Wow. Yeah. And he looked at me like, you you can go to be in sales. (laughs) 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 And so I started in sales. And by the, I want to say the sixth month there, I was selling what the entire Salesforce was selling on a monthly basis, and it was really cool because what I was doing is when you went into the the library or the bookstore back then, Barnes and Noble, whatever, there was probably only thirty computer books. There was databases. There's a bit on hardware. There's a bit maybe some COBOL programming language, but there wasn't a lot there. And so at night, I was going to technology school, uh, became a LAN WAN administrator became a database administrator. So when I was on the phone, the people buying at that time, you got to understand the market, they were all technologists. So I could talk technology as deep as they could, and they bought from me. So I ended up running all of sales, running all of sales and marketing. IPO, was part of an M&A team. We did 22 acquisitions around the world. And so by the time I was 25, I was a vice president, um, which was pretty cool. And from then, I've just... Started a company with the co-founder of PSINET, called Conducent, was co-founder of that. Was president of a company called XMO Solutions, which we sold to Vitria. Was CEO of an ERP business called Everest Software, which had 3,000 customers around the world. Um, I've helped scale companies on the one on the West Coast called Astero Partners from about 30 million to 150 million in size. So smaller businesses in terms of scale, like an IBM, all technology, all software are, are services in the tech space. Um, and been fortunate. Wrote a couple of books. If you have a problem sleeping, I'll send them to you. Sure to knock you out. <laughs> it's been a great journey.
0: Truly, an incredible story, and to see how far you've come from those humble beginnings and where you are now—not only as a successful person in business and in your career, but as such a strong man of faith.
1: You know what's amazing is um, people ask me where'd you grow up, and I get the Silver Spoon look a lot, and. I tell them, Oglethorpe County, Georgia. And they'll go, where's that? And my response always is, exactly. (laughs) It's exactly right. There may have been 3,000 people in the entire county when I grew up. There's still just a flashing yellow light in the county. There's no red light. There's nothing there. There's one school. Um, So the ability for God to take me out of that, send me to Athens um, to get to play basketball, provide all the transportation to get me back and forth. And then that donor who paid for my senior year, changed my life. Which is one of the reasons, a big reason, every time we have the annual fundraising, Kimberly I have given to every one of the sections for tuition for, for kids to be able to attend a Christian school. I really don't think it was the basketball that changed my life at all. It was coming to the Lord.
0: mm I can see that there's so much emotion surrounding that experience and it is pretty incredible as you spoke to earlier when you went to the principal's office after having gotten into a fight, it sounds like probably one of many, and you leave that day a believer. I would just love to know more about that experience and what exactly she said to you that day.
1: I remember that the... event very well. I remember her voice very well. I'm not sure what she I don't remember what she said. It was out of a lot lot of love and a lot of care. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that event, certainly, while basketball played a lot in my life and business, uh, growing up in a business as small and, and dinky as it was, you still have to understand everything about a supply chain and, and have to price goods and understand margin and cash flow. I did the banking on Monday mornings. So, all that had nothing compared to what the Lord did that day. And, and I don't know, again, I, that event, and a lot of people get saved and maybe not live the life for God that God intended because they weren't in an environment. So that the donor that paid for my senior year really kind of finished it off for me, right? You get to finish that senior year at a Christian school and you're around godly Christian teachers, which is powerful. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hall comes to mind. He's our chemistry teacher and physics teacher. And and I wasn't the best student as a kid. Mm-hmm. I probably had a 1.4 <laughs> through <laughs> ninth grade. I don't know how I passed these, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Academics were, ne- were never important to the family, so it wasn't like... We came home and studied. I'm the only kid graduated high school. Hmm. Regardless, the 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 event of uh, being saved and experiencing that Christian education was the difference.
0: It is so inspiring to hear everything that you've done and everything that God has done in your life, despite what would seem like very difficult circumstances. It almost it might sound strange, but it really reminds me of Joseph in the Bible, right? Thrown into all these crazy circumstances and yet through his hard work and his faith in God, God used him to do incredible things, right? Even when he's in prison and even when he's experiencing all these hardships. And before I let you go, I have to ask, did you ever find out who the anonymous donor was? That No. Pretend he or she is listening to this podcast episode. What would you say to that person?
1: Changed my life. I'd say thank you with all my heart. I don't I don't think people understand what it means to a kid who can't afford a great education to have that opportunity. And they gave that to me. Let me finish out my career at, at ACS. I can't imagine. The public schools were so tough where I grew up. So I don't know if I'd been the first one to go to college and graduate. Probably not. I probably joined the Marines. I don't think people understand what it means to, to a kid. Um, if, if the person is listening truly changed my life which has allowed me to impact other people's lives. Mm. I imagine during my business career the number of people that I've gotten to touch as a believer mm. Um. It's, you you just don't know when what impact you're really having. And I tell Kimberly all the time that she's so blessed to come to a Christian environment where Christian people have a great mission every day, and she always reminds me, you really don't know what impact you had today.
0: I think a lot of people are deterred from giving because they think this won't really make a difference or you know why why even bother. Um, and so maybe what would you say to those individuals?
1: Well, everybody's not going to be a CEO. I get asked all the time, How'd you become a CEO? The Lord, I had no idea. Um, I certainly aspired to be a leader in a business, but I think people need to, it's not about what happens on this earth and the position of power somebody might gain because someone pays for school, Mm. it's the heart. So thinking it won't make a difference, it may not turn that kid into a CEO, but it will change that kid's life. It's going to change that family. It's going to change that kid's future family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it could even break a, a bad cycle um, and afford a kid to have a very different day because a lot of kids have tough days
0: thank you so much Edwin. i can't thank you enough um for coming here and being willing to be vulnerable and share your story with us and um i know we're so grateful and i know our community is really going to benefit from your wisdom
1: you're welcome thank you for having me
0: thanks for joining us for this episode of mind and heart a podcast by trinity christian school for more information Visit us at tcsfairfax.org.